everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 82 of the History Hotline. My name is Deanna Lynn Cook and as always I'll be your host today. Now from the title I'm sure you know this episode is about a place in Jamaica called Fort Charles in Port Royal and you might be thinking well a bit random why are we going to Jamaica for today's episode? Well I was fortunate enough to be in Jamaica um, weeks ago and I when I was there I was able to go to some historical sites and I think for the maybe not the next few episodes but dotted into the episodes of the future There will be some episodes about some of the places I was able to visit when I was in Jamaica and Fort Charles was one of them. There will also be accompanying reels and other social media content on Instagram and Twitter, so please check them out. Um, So yeah, I'll be thinking about Fort Charles today. Um, We'll be splitting this episode into four parts, the history of Fort Charles, um, its purpose, the impact of the 1692 earthquake, and then Fort Charles in the present day. And being able to go to this like heritage site um, and a kind of space that's now being preserved and is a like um, museum space, should I say, um, in order to kind of tell this history and explain what happened and to show what Jamaica looked like um, in its like heavy colonial era. Um, it was really cool, actually. It was something quite different. Um, than what I had seen before of Jamaica and I think coming out of Covid as well um, you know tourism is something that the island relies on very heavily um, and places like that have been closed for the past two years Um, so they are slowly opening up now and you know ready to welcome visitors so we did have a really good time there actually Um, it's a very interesting place and I'm going to share all about it today I hope I'm going to do a good job of explaining it to you because you're not literally there So maybe if the social media content has been created, go and have a look at that first, just to give you a visual image. Podcasts are hard, you know, you can only hear me. Um, But if you do want to have a look at what it looks like, just so this episode kind of, you know, sits in your brain a little better and you're able to visualise things as I speak about them, please feel free to do that. Um, But do come back. Fort Charles, in some ways, is a standing reminder of Jamaica's history, its colonial history um, and its history in the name of defence in regards to colonialism um, and how the different European colonial powers used that part of Jamaica um, in order to defend itself. It was the first fort that was constructed in Port Royal um, and experts have kind of suggested that it was built around 1650 to 1660, so the mid-1600s is when it was thought to have been built. Now, Prior to that, Jamaica was under Spanish control um, and Spain then were at war with England um, over the land, over Jamaica, over the island, because it was the Spanish that, quote unquote, discovered it um, prior to that. Now, Oliver Cromwell, giving you a bit of British history there, um, who was Lord Protectorate of England, sent in an expedition to invade the Spanish island of Hispaniola, which is the island that is now Haiti and the Dominican Republic. So Haiti's in the west, Dominican Republic is in the east, and that was called Hispaniola, which is Little Spain, obviously by Christopher Columbus, who, quote-unquote, discovered it, 
did not discover it at all, um, but said he did, so that's all that mattered. Um, however, this expedition failed, um, and the leaders of the expedition didn't want to return home shamefully, having, you know, captured nothing. So they actually turned their attention to capturing Jamaica, which was a poorly defended island by the Spanish. Um, and so this kind of attack and takeover of Jamaica was quite easy, in comparison anyway, to the island of Hispaniola, which they weren't able to take over. It was in 1655 that England managed to completely take the island from the Spanish. Um, and during the time kind of prior to that, the island was faced with a lot of conflict of people trying to take over the island. And there was obviously a lot of piracy going on in those waters. Now, funnily enough, when I first told someone, I think there was someone on my course, that I was doing Caribbean history as a third year module, they said to me, oh, so you're going to study pirates. And honestly, it's really never occurred to me why that would be the first thing people say when you say Caribbean history. But I guess that popular film franchise, um, Pirates of the Caribbean, maybe that, you know, conjured up some images for people. But I've never, apart from the Rare Nephew episode, um, which I think was episode three or four, um, and this episode today on Fort Charles, I've never thought about pirates or spoken about pirates or had any kind of interaction with the history of pirates at all, ever. So it's very interesting that this has come up. And it's also interesting that people kind of jump to pirates when they think about Caribbean history. I'm not sure why. Um, but anyway, back to Jamaica, back to the island. And at this point, when England managed to seize Jamaica um, from the Spanish they begin to kind of make sure that the island won't be captured again. Um, and so it becomes very important to them that the forts are very strong um, and they can withstand anyone that tries to attack the island. And attacks would have obviously been common at that time. European colonial powers were building up their empires, especially in the Caribbean. And there was also pirates who would travel the waters um, in that area in particular, um, trying to gain wealth and status and things of that nature um, from the wealth that was already on the islands. Now, the fort was completed um, in this like mid-1600s time period, um, and it was the first of six forts to be built and manned by a garrison in Jamaica. Um, it was initially referred to as Passage Fort. Then when it was finished, it was given the name Fort Cromwell, who was the kind of patron of the expedition and leader of the Commonwealth at that time. However, with the restoration of the monarchy under Charles II, it becomes Fort Charles. Obviously, there was going to be nothing named after Oliver Cromwell, um, after what he had done in terms of trying to overthrow the monarchy. Well, succeeding in overthrowing it, but then, um, you know, losing his life after. Um, and obviously that being unsuccessful as the restoration of the monarchy occurred and they are still with us today. So it becomes Fort Charles and it was the only military fort in Port Royal to survive the devastating earthquake of 1692, which we are going to get onto. And it makes Fort Charles quite a special place now um, because not it doesn't really look like what it would have looked like back then because of the earthquake um, and some of the structures are there, as well as the um, the way that the, the tide of the sea has moved, meaning that 
the cannons um, that would have been set up to, you know, shoot down ships or warn ships coming in if they were coming in with um, ill purposes. They are very much inland. It's very weird to see. There's a good stretch of land that continues on past the cannons because the line, the tide has, has moved and, and there's now more land as opposed to sea being exactly at the end of where the cannons are. Um, so that's quite interesting to see when you're there. When you look out over where the cannons are all lined up, there's pretty much land for a good <laughs> good few hundred metres out, if not kilometres, um, and then it's the sea. But prior to that, it would have just been the sea directly outside of the cannons. And now for a little bit on the pirates. So, funnily enough, actually, um, I'm not a Pirates of the Caribbean fan, but Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, was actually set in parts in Fort Charles. But they didn't actually use Fort Charles to film. They actually filmed in LA, or south of LA, um, on this three-acre bluff that they built um, on Palosford's Peninsula. Now, interestingly enough, they didn't use actual Fort Charles, probably because it doesn't look like a fort anymore, because it's, it is close to the water, but it's not close enough to resemble it being a fort. And also, you know, it is a heritage site, and it's um, used as a museum now, so it would be quite impractical to film Pirates of the Caribbean there. And whilst they weren't, you know, completely accurate with the rebuild of Fort Charles for this film set, they did include um, some of the key elements, which were um, a prison and the barracks and the kind of courtyard area and, and staircase and platforms where people would have been hung um, for piracy if they were caught. And so there are some elements that remain true, even though the film is not obviously an accurate representation of things that happened. Um, you know, they did keep some historical points um, of reference um, in the film. Now we have mentioned Port Royal before on this podcast as I said in the Rare Nephew episodes and we also mentioned another man Mr Henry Morgan well Sir Henry Morgan who was a Welsh buccaneer and one of the most famous pirates. Um, he is the face of Captain Morgan's rum now um, but you know he was a influential shall we say influential or infamous an infamous figure in Port Royal and at Fort Charles. Um, he was originally from Wales um, and he came to Jamaica with the forces of Penn and Venables in the English invasion in 1655. And he stayed on and became a privateer in Port Royal um, and he was very successful. He raided um, Portobello in 1668 um, and gained the equivalent of £155 million in today's money, or about $240 million US dollars. Um, and, you know, he was able to help Port Royal to be sustained with his wealth. He became an agent of the Crown later and served as a Lieutenant Governor of Jamaica in 1678-1680-1682 and en ended his life as a wealthy planter with three estates. Having enslaved African workers... Um, with the thriving sugar production business, obviously with the plantations that would have used been used for rum production. Sugar makes rum. But I don't want to spend too much time on piracy um, and Captain Morgan um, in this episode. But I will say, if you haven't listened to the Rare Nephew episode, I think it's episode three or four, please do have a listen to that. Um, we speak a lot more about Port Royal, more broadly, shall we say, um, because Port Royal had other forts in it. But Fort Charles is the only remaining fort today 
um, that survived the 1692 earthquake, which we are going to talk about now. So it was in 1692 that this earthquake hit Port Royal and obviously Fort Charles, along with the other forts that were in the area, um, were decimated. Now, at this point in 1692, the estimated population of Port Royal as a whole was around 6,500. Around 4,000 of those would have been white people um, from Europe and around 2,500 were enslaved African people or living approximately in around 2,000 houses. Many of them were quite luxurious, um, obviously being owned by um, people high up within British, not necessarily the government, but merchants um, and shipmen and seamen and people that had influence um, and wealth in the Caribbean. Um, so, you know, these properties were well constructed. Um, some of them reached up to four storeys, mostly made of brick. Um, there were also warehouses um, and really nice houses along the harbour. Um, to store goods and things of that nature. There were also shops um, and other dwellings, churches, you know, things like that that would have made up Port Royal as it was an area that was populated by people and, you know, there was people living there and thriving, surviving and that kind of thing. Um, there were also, obviously, shops, public buildings, taverns. There was a synagogue as well as the Anglican church and a Quaker meeting room um, and then... There were other forts and batteries around the perimeter of the town and that made up um, Port Royal. On the 7th of June 1692, there were three tremors, each one worse than the one before, and it destroyed the town. It plunged 33 acres of land out of the 51, um, along with many homes and people into the sea, leaving only 18 acres above water. Um, and, you know, as a small island, it was cut off from the rest of the spit, um, which meant that it was weaker and, and harder to defend. Fort James, Fort Rupert and Fort Carlisle all disappeared under the sea, leaving Fort Charles very much damaged. Around 4,000 people eventually died from the earthquake and the subsequent tsunami and chaos that followed. Um, there was um, a huge tidal wave that followed the earthquake as well as a serious fire that had an impact on the town and a lot of properties burnt down. Now, as I mentioned, you know, there were only around 6,500 people that lived in the area. So the fact that 4,000 people died, only 2,500 remained on 18 acres of land that was once 55 acres just shows how insane the earthquake was and how much it decimated um, that area of Jamaica. Now, excavations of this sunken city, as it's now known, because so much of it literally just went underwater, um, has kind of created some artefacts that have been saved. Most of them are 16th and 17th century coins, household articles, ceramics, glass, and they're all part of the National Museum of Jamaica, which gives people a good insight into life in 17th century Port Royal. And also, even more interestingly, um, the remains of a fish and meat market, two taverns, three shops, and other numerous dwellings with brick foundations were found under the sea. And so obviously that gives a snapshot of the kind of infrastructure and the setup of Port Royal at the time um, and what the land would have looked like. So, you know, from this um, sunken city that was created as a result of the 1692 earthquake, there is still and has been um, discoveries of what the area would have looked like. 
um, as well as obviously, you know, Fort, a lot of Fort Charles did survive and forts would have been built in a similar manner. So there is elements of, of you know, things being able to be pieced together from, from Fort Charles and what was left there as well. So the submerged area is now somewhat well preserved um, with a mixture of underwater buildings and pavements. Um, and it's been a major site of significant um, archaeological digs and obviously in order to give snapshot of life in 17th century Port Royal. Um, eight buildings have been investigated and that has given us some invaluable artefacts and a large number of artefacts I mentioned before. Um, and then also the five buildings that really do give a variety of the architectural styles found in the city centre at the time. Um, you know, some of them would have been made out of brick and other materials, and that gives us a taste of what things would have been built out of and maybe why they didn't survive or why they would have survived. Um, something like the earthquake in 1692. I keep thinking to say 1962. It's definitely a long time before that. Um, you know, there were simple frame buildings that were found, as I said, brick structures, um, things that were made out of plaster that were really well built and really solid but didn't manage to survive and these are all kind of underwater so underwater digs and underwater excavations have to be done to to find you know what what was in Port Royal once before. Um, if you go there now and thinking about Port Royal today it's owned and operated by the Port Authority of Jamaica the PHA um, and you can go there and visit and have a tour of the place. They have like mocked up um, what it would have been like prior to the earthquake um, and that includes a jail and army barracks and things like that so you can kind of see what the setup would have been there was another earthquake in Kingston in 1907 um, which resulted in more damage to the properties that were left in Fort Charles and in that Port Royal area Kingston is really close to Port Royal um, if you didn't know um, there's a place that we we saw there called Giddy House and it's a house that's essentially, it's tilted. So even when you, if you stand in it, you're like falling. It's like you're on a hill, even though you're inside a building. Um, the house is just completely tilted. The fact that it still stands up and hasn't like collapsed or tumbled down um, is an architectural wonder and miracle in some ways. But, you know, you can take those cool kind of leaning of Tower of Pisa pictures where you're kind of look like you're pushing up the house. Um, but if you stand inside of it, your body is pushing you down into the corner where it leans as opposed to being able to stand up straight. It's really difficult to do. It takes actually a lot of work and concentration and it made me really giddy. That's why it's called the giddy house um, because it obviously is tilted um, and off balance there. Um, Fort Charles at the moment is somewhere you can visit. It's somewhere that is accessible to tourists and people that live in Jamaica alike um, and a place I would recommend if you ever find yourself in Jamaica Obviously, most people wouldn't go to Jamaica to look at an old fort. There are beaches, uh, there are mountains, there are other fun things to do and see and eat. But if you like history, and you probably do because you listen to this podcast, then that is definitely a place you should visit. Um, so if you haven't already watched the social media content that I have not yet created upon recording this episode. So maybe if you're a quick listener, you won't, it won't be there. Um, but it will be there at some point soon. So please do have a look at that to get a visual image or, you know, have a Google. Um, there are quite a few YouTube videos as well about um, Fort Charles and Port Royal in the area. Um, if you want to find out more information about this 17th century Jamaica and what it would have been like. 
Thank you so much for listening um, to this episode this week. I hope you have a wonderful week and we'll be back next week with another episode. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the History Hotline. If you've enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend to tell a friend. To continue the conversation about black history, head over to our social media platforms at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter.